0: This is Coffee with Karina. And here's your host, Karina Michelle.
1: Welcome back. Michelle Anjali was part of my Inspirational Women of the Speaking Circuit series in Authority magazine. And she didn't disappoint. I'm glad I had the chance to bring her onto the podcast. Um, We bonded over storytelling and coffee, and we got down to the nitty gritty of how she's prepping to be a TEDx speaker. And the most important part, what it really means and what it really takes to make the most important connections for success. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi,
0: how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? Great,
1: I'm good. Up and ready to go. To- <laughs> oh, I
0: know. Is it? Wait, are you on the west coast? Because it's I- pretty early for you.
1: No, I'm actually on the east coast. I'm in Florida. How about you?
0: Oh, awesome! I'm in Georgia, so I'm like oh, right next door.
1: <laughs> you're really close. All right.
0: Yeah, I can yes, get. Yes. Are I- you based in in Florida?
1: I am. Yeah. I I used to live in California, so I lived in LA for a long time, but. For the past, like, six years, I've been out here, and I love it. I like it out Oh, here. awesome. What part of Florida are you in? Kids love it. I mean, we're close to Disney, and usually we go a lot. We haven't this year, but, you know.
0: You know. I know. Hopefully <laughs> soon, though. Yeah. From what I hear, hopefully by, like, the summertime, we should be somewhat yes. up and running.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. How have you been doing through this whole uh, crazy 2020 stuff?
0: It's been good, actually. It's interesting because... um mm-hmm you know, early last year, um, you know, er, you know, there was, you know, the concern. So I actually do um, some work for Delta Airlines, a company that they own, like I, you know, my background is in marketing and in digital strategy. And so Mm -hmm. um, for the past couple of years, you know, right before I decided to like, formally get out, get out of corporate and do my own thing, you know, the part of corporate that I really loved is doing marketing and strategy. And so last year, thankfully, um, you know, with all the craziness that's going on, I still had a lot of work that I could still do with them. And then also, interestingly, my business also picked up during 2020, which was crazy unexpected, but it now in hindsight makes sense. A lot of people that were working in corporate were actually thinking about like making a move yeah. or, you know, starting something new. So I think this this whole time that we spent home, I think gave people time with their families, time to think about like their life. Right. And so, yeah yeah it ended up being a good thing
1: yeah same with me actually it's interesting yeah. right we're, we're, we're some of the lucky ones I'm so thankful yeah. for that but it's weird how that happens and I think writers and you know depending on what you do I guess but it can be a really good like time to like hunker down you know and, and write and get things going on the
0: creative side but for sure you have like yeah. more time to think which you know you can't sometimes in the hustle and bustle because I was I'm sure you were part of that too mm-hmm. of like constantly traveling or constantly yeah. going to the next project so that slowdown helped. I mean, unfortunately, it you know it hit a lot of people really hard, especially in the travel and the hospitality industry. I
1: I work with a lot of writers and people in the industry, so so I talk with a lot of them. And for them, it's some of them, you know, their lives haven't really changed that much, you know.
0: Yeah. They're,
1: you know, and it's always it's almost been a good thing, but the same exactly as what you were saying. But yeah, and for me, you know, usually I would be traveling a little bit more and you know going to these premieres and you know going to set and that type of thing but I've been able to do it do most of it from from home which has been interesting and and it's been great with zoom as well that was something I wanted to ask you about because I know that you're all about you know making connections and and for me it's actually been kind of a good thing because things that I would have missed out on in Europe or in LA if I was in Florida I've been able to participate in. So. yes
0: no exactly mm-hmm. that's what the, the, it's, it's interesting because yeah like my business is about like making connections and before this all hit like I would be traveling like I went to London in 2019 and gave a speech there yeah. you know universities and things like that and that's the part actually that I love is that connection but yeah same thing like you it didn't change I mean the method that we do it now digitally changed but I I've had some people tell me you know what actually Of being forced to to network via zoom actually made me more comfortable with the aspect of it and i word network yeah they're Uh, like because you have to you know pay more attention and be more intentional where in the past they were a little bit reactive versus being proactive so that was interesting
1: yeah Yeah, it's almost like something you can prepare for or you're forced to prepare for a little bit more you know maybe and versus like just showing up and seeing what happens i guess (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, no no definitely and I think that you know some people because they were taking advantage of those opportunities like whether it was going in the office or going to an event I guess they didn't realize like the value that those opportunities provided. And when that was all taken away, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, my God, like there were weeks going by that I wouldn't meet someone new or I wouldn't talk to a colleague right. from like a much more intimate level. And so they had to like force themselves to get out there, you
1: know? Wow. So is this um, the topic that I know you're doing a TED talk soon, right? Is it April or I'm trying to remember? Yeah.
0: So right now it's scheduled for May 6th. And okay. it's in, um, yeah, Southampton, England. But as of right now, we just got a note last week. It might get still get pushed by a month or two, depending on how we are. I think come late February, March with, you know, with vaccinations and the likelihood that we're going to be able to get together, it might get pushed once more. But as yeah. of right now, it's scheduled for May six because they really want to do it live. And I do too, obviously.
1: That's exciting. So how is it? I want to ask you, how is it like preparing? And what's the process like going through something and, getting to that point. Cause I know that's the goal for a lot of people, a lot of speakers, you know, that's, that's the thing that they kind of go towards.
0: Yeah. So for me, it was interesting because yeah, I found like, I, I heard that it takes people like years to get one. And it just so happened that this event, someone had like sent me the, the information about it. The, the, the theme of the event is human to human connection. And that's literally like what my niche is is in how you, you know, how do you teach people to connect with others? Yeah. And so, um, yeah so I had you know I, I I auditioned I got it but it's um they, they do an amazing job so because of COVID we haven't had um, opportunities to get together but I mean they literally assign you you know a coach to help you mm-hmm. you know you go through various rounds of rehearsals like at this point I was scheduled to go there in person for a full day workshop like either January or February to like rehearse the speech right have people critique me so we might end up pushing that anyway and still going before the actual event but yeah I mean it goes from you know finalizing the speech thinking about okay well what visuals do you want to present right because you know during certain parts of the speech you might want to put a quote up you might want to put an image up so it's a pretty like rigorous process um you know that it has been so far and I haven't even gotten into like the full on like everyday rehearsal portion yet because I'm still fine tuning it (laughs) Uh yeah I bet but um but yes it could be like very very intimidating um but I think it's a great opportunity and I'm like I'm so passionate about the subject like I not only you know am like a living testimonial of like what it does but like throughout my career and stuff so for me talking about this subject if it was something else I think I might be like way more nervous but because this is like who I am it's sort of like natural if that yes makes sense. no you <laughs> just kind
1: of throw yourself in and you just focus on that and that's So, could, do you get nervous before these things I mean I know you've done a lot of speaking
0: yeah no no you technically do it's something it's, it's interesting because even like the most like famous speakers of all time yeah. like, you know they say you know every time like those moments before you go on stage is a little nerve-wracking mm-hmm. but it's interesting and I don't know I'm trying to think back I mean I know a few people have said this in the past but in some of the courses I've taken because I'm always also like I'm a student as well, like of other coaches and take coaching programs. Mm-hmm. One of the ones, one of the things that I learned early on that was like a game changer for me and helped me was when you speak on something that one, you're passionate about, you know, a lot about, always look at it as you're giving a gift to the audience. Mm-hmm. Like don't make it about you, meaning right. your performance or what, mm-hmm. meaning, no, you go in with the, with the intent of this, is what gift do I want to leave them with? What knowledge, what stories do I want to impact yeah. them with? And when you look at it that way, it's almost like you're teaching, which is how I approach my speaking engagement. as like a workshop. And so the emphasis, like you take the emphasis off of you and it's the emphasis on concentrate on the audience, right? Like giving them like what they want.
1: Interesting. That makes total yeah. sense. It's a lot like yeah. acting. Cause when you, st- I, that's how I started. I mean, I was an actor, um,
0: oh, awesome.
1: years ago. I was doing a lot of things. And you know, a lot of times you know, when you're just starting out and you get on set and there's a lot of people and you know, you've rehearsed the lines and you know all that stuff, but it's kind of like, oh god, you don't want to like, you know, lose your train of thought. You can't, you know, there's so many things yes. that can come up. So it's very similar because you just focus on you focus on, you know, what you're saying and the other character and you know, that type of stuff. But but yeah, it's very similar to that. It's similar yeah, to no, the mindset. Great.
0: What, yeah, when you put yourself like when you reframe it that way, it's like, Oh, wait a second. This isn't about me. It's about them. So right. like, and so when I get into it and again, like the, because of the t- the topic that I talk about um, usually like is very engaging and people tend to have questions and things like that. It makes yeah. it like such more of like a interactive dialogue. Like wow. I'm not a big, big fan. I mean, I have to do it. Like the TEDx talk will be an example of me going up there and be solely speaking to an audience, yeah. but typically the speaking engagements that I do, I actually try to break it up because I present so much material that um, I speak to a lot of like corporate groups, right? So it could be a group of 30 or 40 people that are on a Zoom like this past year. Mm-hmm. And so I like to break it up where there's time for like five, 10 minutes of people asking questions, people engaging with you. Like I love that piece of it.
1: Yeah, where you're actually you're trading stories. And yeah, I like that exactly. too. The Q&A people is always interesting.
0: Open. Yes, and I love, and that's it's interesting because- that's the part that I love the most about it. Really? Like I love sharing information and knowledge, but the Q and A, it's interesting. Helps me in two ways. Well, one, I mean, it helps people they get their questions answered. But I actually use I've used the Q and A in many of the engagements that I've done for like content, right? To like ex- like expand on it in a blog, yes. right? Yeah, or do something about it. So that's been super interesting too.
1: Yeah, that's a, actually a good point to make. A lot of times people don't really take advantage of that. You know, the repurposing of content putting it yes. out on social media, making these little like audiograms or whatever it is, is so powerful. Cause it's just a little it is, tidbit. And it's funny
0: because that's my goal this year yeah. is to take, go back. I'm actually redoing my speaker reel on my website because uh-huh. I have so much content, but yeah. in that process, I want to, yeah, exactly. Like be able to repurpose it so I can get, take snippets and share it on social. I haven't done that yet as much.
1: Yeah. It takes time. I'm trying to do that
0: too. Cause you have to, you have
1: to listen go back and say, okay, maybe, you know, this is a good point or yeah, I think
0: exactly it takes time
1: yeah I think it's a good thing to do for sure so you grew up in New York City and I love well,
0: outside of New York City Adso- actually, a... okay yeah
1: outside of New York City and I know um I loved in the article when you were talking about let's see you grew up in uh your first language was Spanish yeah and the struggles that you had to overcome early on like starting kindergarten could you tell us a little bit
0: about that yes definitely so yeah so So I'm actually I I didn't realize the advantage that I had in doing this. And and it's interesting because I actually talked to parents who are trying to teach their children now to speak a different language that this method actually worked great, which was my parents. so my mother and father speak both English and Spanish, my extended family, meaning my grandmother, my grandparents, who I was super close to, and all of my aunts and uncles solely spoke Spanish. So growing up when I was born, like my grandmother was was my one of my babysitters, my caretakers. And so I only was only around Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. So up until the age of five, I only spoke Spanish. And it was interesting because my mom then enrolled me in school. Mm-hmm. And when I got to this, you know, to, to the school, they were like, Well, you know, they gave her a hard time. They were like, I don't think we can accept your daughter um, because she doesn't speak. Uh, English it was a private school and my mom's mm-hmm. like well I mean she's she's gonna learn English very very quickly and so it was interesting that like I guess she was very pushy and they did accept me and it was great story because at the end of kindergarten like I was fully fully you know a bilingual student wow. spoke English and even was awarded like I think there's pictures of me like getting like certain certificates and that's it was, so like, awesome yeah. They were like, but it's also proved that like when you are young, yeah. the, the ability to pick up a second language is actually pretty like amazing.
1: <laughs> wow. That's so, that's so awesome to hear. It's funny. My, I have a four-year-old and she's in like a, a Montessori school right now. And a lot of her good friends, I would say maybe three of them in her class and her small class speak Spanish at school. And it's not an issue, you know, there are bilingual teachers and, but she said to me one day, she said, Mama, can you teach me? I want to learn how to speak Spanish so I can, you know, converse so she can speak to them more. Because she said, you know, we can't really talk that much. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. She wants to learn Spanish, you know? Yeah, That's, no. Yeah, so it's I,
0: interesting because it's yeah. like the advantage of learning another yes. language, especially a language that like a majority of the world does speak as well. Yeah. It's such an advantage. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. And I remember I talked to one of the teachers and I said, you know, can we, can we do this? And they've been helping her. And so she's been picking up you know, some words. and it's, Oh,
0: that's amazing. Isn't that cool? Awesome. Yes, it was Yeah. going to be so grateful for it in the future.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was just like um, maybe last week this happened. So, <clears throat> but she's been picking up new words and it's, it's exciting to see. And she, she gets so excited by it too. So that's cool to know though. I'm going to keep working with her and, and hopefully she picks up some more.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. So you also talk about how your grandmother's home was always full of people, laughter and stories. And I loved how you said, I owe my upbringing to my lifelong passion of connecting with others over a hot cup of coffee. Obviously this, this spoke to me, but what does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting because, you know, so in Latin America, um, you know, what we now today know as like the latte, I guess, Um, there's cafe con leche, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it, it stands for coffee with milk, right. but that's your traditional way that you have coffee, which is, you know, it's black coffee, but then you boil the milk up to the point that, I forgot what it's called, but it's literally like rising to the top. I, I forgot what the official terminology yes. is. And then you pour that in and that's like your normal coffee, you know, your, your morning coffee. And so my family, so my grandmother had eight children. And so mm-hmm. I grew up in a, in a home, like I was put mostly spending time in her house with this big extended family, you know, uncles and cousins, but also what was great about it was, you know, my grandmother was extremely, extremely friendly, always wanting to help people. And so her house was almost like a community house where Mm -hmm. I grew up being, you know, friends with different families, like a family from Peru, a family from Argentina who lived down the block. So it was always like a very open and welcoming home. And people would come over and coffee was the thing like you come over in the morning and have your coffee. And so I grew up like watching that. And then once I was able to like, have coffee, it was kind of like, a normal way for me, even like when it started in college, really going to the coffee shop to meet teachers or other students mm-hmm. to learn or do projects. And so yeah. it became like a normal way of life for me.
1: Yeah, it's definitely almost like a ritual, I guess. What do yes, You say for like, sure. like some kind of ritual, and it just brings people together. And it was why, you know, I, I named the show the way I did. Because the I same
0: love that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And in, in England, I think in England, it's more so with, or in Europe, I guess, you know, it's more so a thing, but I, I kind of witnessed the same thing in my family as well. You know, it was at the, you'd all sit around like the kitchen table and that was like, you know, or the living room. And that was the place where these cool stories came up and, you know, yeah. That's
0: yeah, no, and it was great. And the, and it's interesting though, too, because, you know, again, the, coming from such a large family and having, you know, and having such an open door policy with other people, um, it was interesting because, you know, I would hear stories of like, right, someone always had an issue or a problem or something to discuss. So mm-hmm. it was like, there was a purpose, right, to just having coffee. It was like, were you comforting someone? Were you helping someone solve a problem? And so naturally, I grew up thinking like when I was in college, right, and I had this big goal of like, I want to become a television producer, a news Mm -hmm. producer. My go to was wait, start talking to people, right? That's how you solve the problem or that's how you get the contact. And that's literally what I did and how I was able to get my first job in college was literally having coffee. People to this day are like seem surprised by that. And I'm like, there's a special magic to it if you yeah. know how to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And then also like getting that connection and then like cultivating that relationship. And, you know, I think that's exactly. Yeah. And it's, a,
0: it, it's interesting because that is why I kind of hate the word networking. And I Me use too. it when I use it <laughs> yeah. it's so people understand what I'm yes. talking about. Yeah. But I then quickly reframe it like FYI. I hate networking because at the end of the day, even me, I don't, I didn't, I don't know what networking is. People say there's this like, right? Mm -hmm. Like definition, but it's like, how do you do it? And that's literally how I started thinking about like, how can I develop like this? I call it a curriculum because Mm. I literally like defined what connecting is and like literally teach people like, okay, here are some actions um that you can do to truly connect with other people. And I make it more like tangible so that people understand now how to do it, depending on where you are, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: That's such valuable information. And this is something that you talk about or you have a you said a workshop or
0: yeah. So I I so I the way I so I what I did was I built almost like an a template for like an online course, right? Which hopefully Mm -hmm. one day I I plan on putting it as an online course. But that's like the baseline that I use for the speaking engagements and for the group mentoring sessions that I do. And I also do workshops. And I also, what one thing I tell people is that my, when I speak, I know most people say, oh, you, you speak on a specific topic, like as a motivational, and I am a sort of a motivational speaker as well, because I do love to motivate people to get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But I love to call it like a workshop, because I actually, like in all of my speeches, like to leave people with like tangible, you know, steps after after to take right in order to start mm-hmm. connecting i love people.
1: that i love yeah. that because sometimes you leave you know you can see someone and they're a great speaker and you leave and you're like okay what do i do now you know well, exactly right? I've been there
0: as well <laughs>
1: yeah so that's awesome that you do that and you have like a, a plan for someone to leave with
0: yes and what i do is like you know i have a couple of different variations of it because like for example for students right a lot i speak to a lot of college students who are now like my, like me, are thinking about, especially today, right now, mm-hmm. their, their way of connecting has been sort of, you know, uh, completely changed, because they don't have that in person interaction, especially this past year. Yeah. So I do, I do, like I tailor it, uh, a specific version of it to college students, how do you connect to find your first career opportunities? And then I also have a version that I teach, I say professionals, where it's like, you know, if you're working at a company now, or you are looking for a job. How do you start connecting with people to get career opportunities? Mm-hmm. And then I have a, a third variation that I teach, which is with, for leaders at corporate companies or any company really, if, or if you're an entrepreneur is how do you connect with the people that, you know, work for you, you know, especially nowadays that, you know, a lot of us are working in like yes. multicultural environments, multi-generational environments. How do you do that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. I think for right yes. now. Yeah, I could see that. Well,
0: Well, it's interesting because that one specifically was the reason why I started um, doing this work while I was at Mercedes-Benz USA at their corporate headquarters here in Atlanta. It was it was that issue of how do we start connecting in such a dynamic environment? And that's what got me thinking about, you know, doing this kind of work formally. And I started Mm -hmm. a business resource group while I was there. But then when I left the company, like, you know, people kept coming to me for coaching and things. And I said, wait a second, like, why don't I do this? you know, as a career. And that's right. how literally like the yeah. light bulb kind of went on.
1: Isn't that funny how things happen? They just kind of, you know, organically and you're like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because part of the things that I, you know, th- something that I teach in the, in the workshops are cause so I, so I also have like two components to it, which is so important, which is like it's not just connecting with others. I actually take people through the first portion, which is what my TEDx is about, really, is how do you connect with yourself?
1: Yes. You because that's the first
0: part, mm-hmm. right? Like, we change in our 20s, in our 30s, yeah. in our 40s, in our 50s. That's, you know, people, you know, and sometimes we lose that connection because we become leaders, mothers, right? Partners, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And sometimes when you get stuck in a rut, it's almost like you have to go back and like reconnect with who you are because you can lose that, especially women.
1: Yes. Yes because You're the, the you know, you're taking care of everyone else, everyone else's needs exactly. come first,
0: yeah, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the first component to it. And then I focus on the second one, which is once you figure that out and I give people strategies about that, then how do you now proceed to connect with others in order to make it to that next step that you want, whether it's starting your own business, whether it's getting a new opportunity, career opportunity, mm-hmm. a promotion? But then I, I focus on that as well.
1: Wow, just getting the ball rolling, right? I think that's really what it is. Once you figure
0: out what it is, then just kind of you know, going for it and figuring out. Yes, because that's yeah. the easy. That's the hardest part. Is mm-hmm. what I, you know. So a lot of the feedback I get from, again, young people who are in their college, uh, who are in college. But then even people that are in their thirties or forties who are like, I'm burnt out or yeah. I'm not no longer interested in my field. I want to try something new. The what do I do next? That's mm-hmm. the hard part.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. I know. um We asked you in the article as well. I, and it's really my worst nightmare, actually. But uh, we asked you the funniest mistake that you have made so far and the lesson that you learned. Do you remember what this was that you had said?
0: I think, well, there, I've, I've made so many, <laughs> but I know like, you're talking yeah. about specifically in speaking because I know I've lost like track a couple of times. That is the one. Yeah. It's yeah. the one. I was like,
1: oh, it's my worst. <laughs> it's my worst nightmare. Yeah,
0: I definitely. So mm-hmm. so see, this is what what's so important. And this is going back to um, what I said in the beginning of our conversation about learning about like you're there to serve someone versus like focusing on you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, because I'm so passionate about what I do. Yeah, I was it was a couple of instances it's happened. But yes, I lost track where I was, but then just quickly, you know, picked it up, listened to the audience and then kind of kept going. But Mm-hmm. um yeah it's happened a few times
1: wow i'm sure it was flawless too and no one knew but in your mind you're like i know in mine in the background i'm like oh my god okay and you're just still kind of you know
0: you're still yes, talking def- yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. wow yeah it happens it definitely happens for sure well if someone is listening and they they really want to be a speaker per se what what's your advice to them to getting started in that field
0: Well, i would say i would go back to that um the the part of connecting with yourself right so depending on you know where you are professionally right what your experience is everything that you have experienced whether as your your cultural background how you grew up what skills and experiences you have what you have a passion for I think that entire package has to be analyzed and therefore you have to then come to and figure out like the what right what am I going to speak about i think that's the first important step and be as 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 detailed as possible right because we we all you know as a speaker we can't speak on everything right i cannot speak on everything um every topic but so so in order for you to find out you know what is that specific topic that you are passionate about and that you are uniquely qualified to speak on i would say that's like the first and the most important step first
1: wow okay yeah i mean that's such valuable info
0: Yes, definitely. And then once you and, and I always stress too on like the uniquely qualified, uh-huh. because there are tons of speakers out there, tons of speakers that are kind of, you know, can be speaking on the same topic that you are. But uh-huh. what makes you special and unique, right? That's the part, the part that you're going to need to market yourself, right to, to get out there and differentiate yourself. So that's why it's super, super important to do that work ahead of time. And then once you know, right, the answers to that, then it's getting yourself out there, right? Connecting with others and, you know, kind of, you know, and letting people know, you know, what you're passionate about, what you're speaking on. So I would say, you know, a lot of that is in making connections. So, you know, doing a lot of research, like Google is your best friend. It should be everyone's yes, best friend. Google's amazing. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, Googling, you know, people that speak in, about on the same topics that you do, or even just in general, any speakers that you, you know, are, are, are and an admirer of and following them on their social media channels, looking on their websites, kind of, you know, reading their books and, and just, you know, educating yourself consistently on that. Cause that's something that I do. I did a lot of before I started this business, but I still do to this day. Like I still participate in coaching programs yeah. from other leading um, experts and coaches. That's extremely important.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, constantly learning because things are changing too, all the time, especially right now. And just you all know, the time. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Changing with. With the times um so how about uh if you know someone they think that they have the idea or the topic but maybe they have three of them for you know per se like do you you just drill down on these until you really figure out okay this is this is the one what kind of advice would you have for for that person yeah.
0: Yes, I would say, yeah, like you don't have to limit yourself right from the beginning, right? This is a learning experience and you might be qualified to speak on three different topics, right? But then what I would say then is if you're equally passionate about those three topics, do your research and drill down onto, okay, well, is there a market, right? What is, is there a market for me to go? Who would be interested in, in learning about these three different topics. And I think that once you do that research, I think then, you know, eventually, you know, you might have to, um you know, I call it niche down yeah. to speaking one particular thing, right? Because, you know, every true marketer knows, right, you can't be everything to everyone, right? You have to represent, especially like a personal brand, right? You can't be an excellent everything you have to, you know, uh, you know, be known for something that's part of branding. So I would say mm-hmm. is doing the research and testing the waters, right, going out and speaking to the different audiences, speaking on the different topics. And I think that once you do the legwork and get the experience and feedback from other people, I think eventually you'll find your way into, you know, and you might be able to use all three, but combine it into one specific topic using elements mm-hmm. of all three. There's mm-hmm. so many different variations that you can, you can you you can use
1: right to pick your niche. Right, right. No, that totally makes sense. Great advice. Uh, so, where can we find you online, and can people watch your prior speaking
0: engagements somewhere? Yes, yeah, yes, definitely. So, I have on my website is michelleangelie com. And so on there, I do have a speaking page that contains some footage of my speaking engagements. And I also have a media page, which, um, your interview is also on there as well. Oh, so the awesome. media page, okay. Yes. Has YouTube videos of past engagements that I've done for, for, for different audiences has podcast interviews. So you can, you can
1: view that on the media page. Okay. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for, um, for doing this, doing the article and in the podcast. And I think, I really think I, sometimes I get this feeling and I really feel that people are going to connect with this and, and you're definitely helping people out there.
0: No, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I love this idea, by the way.
1: Hey, this is Karina. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, check out some of our other episodes and give us a rating. And you can also see the written article on authoritymagazine.com. In the meantime, stay safe and we hope to see you back here soon.